Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. How do you feel in this relationship with a covert narcissist? Describe it. What are your feelings? Ready? Go. Confused? Hurt? Angry? Overwhelmed? Like everything's your fault? Perplexed? Afraid? Ungrateful? Confused? Like you can't do anything right? Guilty? Exhausted? Spent? Depressed? Stressed? Anxious? Sad? Oh, and by the way, did I say confused? Well, you want to know how your kids are doing? They are going through the same feelings that you are. That same list is what your kids are going through. Confused, hurt, angry, overwhelmed, feeling like everything is their fault, perplexed, afraid, like they can't do anything right, guilty, exhausted, spent, depressed, stressed, anxious, and sad, and confused. Except there is one huge difference. They are completely unable to place the blame where it belongs. They do not have the maturity to see things for what they really are. They don't have the life skills to see things from outside of themselves, to analyze things separate from their own emotional reactions. They are unable to work through that confusion and see clearly. They are unable to calm the anxiety that's within them. They are unable to not blame themselves and to not internalize the trauma that becomes this internal wound of shame. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and today I am addressing some of the questions that are from my listeners. You have sent in questions to me regarding these kids who are trapped in the homes with a covert narcissistic parent. Thank you so much for sending in these questions. I encourage you to keep going on that. If there are others out there still with questions, send them to me. Send them by email. Send them by Facebook. Now let's get started. The first question, why do they idolize him when all they do is get used by him? Okay, this question was specifically about a father, but I will say, I I firmly believe that covert narcissism is not a gender issue. This applies to mothers as well. Okay, so why do they idolize them when all they do is get used by them? Well, kids crave their parents' approval. This is normal. This is human. And and this is not a bad thing. Kids want the approval of their parents. And a covert narcissist, they sporadically offer that approval. They, They sporadically offer that intensely craved attention that the child wants. Words of praise, uh, maybe giving them really, you know, a, a cool gift or some attentiveness. This is called intermittent reinforcement. And I've talked about it before here in my podcast, but it's when you, you the, the reinforcement that you're wanting from this person does come, but it seems to come randomly. There's no, uh, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You don't, the same behavior may repeat either reinforcement or it may just give you complete, you know, blaming and guilting and, and the gaslighting. And I'll give you an example of a scientific experiment that was done. These rats were put in a in an environment and they were put there with a food dispenser. And when they push the lever of the food dispenser, they get a piece of food. And if when they when they push the lever, they get a piece of food each time, then uh, the, the rat would only do it when they're hungry. They would push the lever, they'd get the piece of food, they'd go off and eat the food and all was well. 
Well, then they did the experiment where they quit giving the food. There, there is no food. When they go push the lever, there's no food. And these rats just, they, they finally quit pushing the lever like it was no big deal. And they just realized we're not going to get any food. And they walked away. And all was well. They had food, you know, of course, elsewhere. But then they had these rats where the food came sometimes. Sometimes it might come with one push of the lever. Sometimes it might come with three. Sometimes maybe seven pushes of the lever. You never knew when that food was actually going to come. Well, these rats became obsessed. They became addicted to that lever. And they're just like crazy pushing that lever, whether they got food or not. And even when they got food, they'd eat it as fast as they could. And they were right back pushing that lever again. This is an example of that intermittent reinforcement. It keeps you hooked in an extremely confusing game of push and pull. It keeps these kids coming back, craving that attention, wondering, okay, am I going to get it this time? Am I going to get the approval this time? It's an addiction that consumes their mind. This is one of the reasons, okay, why they idolize uh, this parent. Another reason is because the price is too high when they don't. Uh, when, when they see, you know, kids often see how their parents treat others who have upset them. Okay. A covert narcissistic parent will, will show that, um, that anger they have and the upsetment that they have, but they, they direct it, you know, at other people, but the kids see this and they don't want to be on the receiving end of that wrath. So again, that's another piece that keeps them hooked, coming back, always trying to win the approval of this parent. They put great effort into this. And like I said, what, what it takes to please that parent, I've said before, changes from day to day. So all of this kind of puts them in that condition of being addicted to the approval of this parent. So another question is, do they or can they truly love their kids? So that's a good question. And um, the desire to love the kids in, in my situation and a lot of the people that I talk to, the desire to love those kids is actually genuine. You know, I, I've said before that my husband was more in love with the idea of being a good person than actually doing it. He was really, truly in love with the idea of being a good parent, uh, much more so than capable of being able to do it. So the desire to love, I do think that was genuine in my situation and in many of the people that I talk to. But, but that love that they have, I want to question that and challenge that. It's based on the child's ability to actually meet their own needs. Now, let me explain what this means. Um, you know, if I love my fancy car, then I love that it makes me you know, look good driving it around. Or I love that it makes me feel important. I might get a lot of compliments and I, others might be jealous of me you know, with this fancy car. And when it breaks down, now I'm mad about it. It isn't serving its purpose anymore. Um, well, of course, unless I can play the victim mode and, you know, poor me that this car broke down and I get attention that way, well, then it still works. But um, do I really love this car? Do I love it for the car's sake or do I love it for what it does for me? See, this is an example of how the covert narcissist sees their kids. Do they love their kids? Well, yes, kind of like a, a person loves a fancy car. They love how it makes them feel. They love how it, what it does for them, the attention it brings to them or the approval that it brings to them. They only see the child in relation to their own needs. Now, these kids typically fall into two categories. You've got the golden child and you've got the scapegoat. 
So a golden child, they really boost the parent's self-esteem, making them really look good as a parent. This child succeeds maybe uh, in academics and sports and music. Maybe there's a school body president. Uh, they really succeed, and this makes the parent feel successful as a parent. Uh, so, that, so the parent feels good about themselves. And uh, they take all the credit, you know, and they brag about it, but they take the glory, they take the spotlight. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking pride in your child being successful, but there is a problem with then using that to fulfill your own insecurities, your own hollowness or emptiness inside. And, uh, you know, another example is when a kid takes a high status date to the prom and that just, you know, mom's just covert narcissistic mom's just over the moon about this. And it really boosts her pride and her kid to the point that it, you know, makes her look good. And she's the one in the spotlight. Now, the scapegoat, that's a different perspective. The scapegoat is the one that takes the blame for all the problems for all the unhappiness. We already know a covert narcissist is full of unhappiness, so there's a lot of blame to pass around. This is a child that maybe has some struggles or fails at something, but by the way, let me point out, that's any child. So any child is vulnerable to being either the golden child or the scapegoat. It's very easy to make even a very successful kid a scapegoat. See, in the covert narcissistic's uh, parent's eyes, this, anything that they do that can be seen as a failure or less than whatever this parent believes is the ideal makes that parent look bad. At least to them, that's what they believe. And so the kid is punished for embarrassing the parent, for not, you know, making them look good enough. And they're told that, you know, well, your actions reflect poorly on me and it's all about them. Another example of this would be when a child is even punished for sharing how they feel with others. Maybe they go on and, you know, they're hurting inside and maybe they're even hurting because of this relationship with this parent and they open up to a friend, not to badmouth the parent, but to get help and trying to understand this. The parent finds out and all of a sudden instantly, well, you're making me look bad. Instead of trying to figure out what the problem is, why we're here, instead they're just concerned about their own image. You know, even when the parent feels bad about themselves, this might have nothing to do with the kid, but they need an outlet for their own anger. And so they blame something, you know, on that child. All of this is uh, examples of scapegoating. So do they love them? Well, is this love? Is this compassion and empathy? How do you define love? I define love as, you know, I looked it up in, on Google, of course, and, and it said it's a great interest or pleasure in something. Okay, well, in that regard, maybe, yes, you could call this love. It certainly is an intense interest and pleasure in the kids, but do they truly care? You know, I looked up what care means then, and it's the provision of what is necessary for the health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of someone to look after and provide for the needs of. And in that sense, I would say, no, it's not care. You know, my husband said to me one time, just because I don't communicate with compassion doesn't mean I don't have it. I, I was really perplexed and said, well, then what exactly is compassion? You know, so they might say, well, you know, I, just because I don't show love, I do have it. Well, then what is your definition of love? So I, in my opinion, to answer this question, do they truly love their kids? I think they do in the way that they see love, but I would question how they truly see love. Another question is, how do you handle them using kids as supply? 
So narcissistic supply is kind of what I was just describing. It's when uh, when you use another person to fulfill an, an emotional need inside of you, either as the golden child, making them feel good about themselves, or the scapegoat, uh, giving them a place to lay their anger and blame. And, um, and both of these definitely happen in that form of supply. And so how do you handle this? Well, you handle this by being genuine and real with your own child. Be very careful not to let them fall into any type of supply for you. Validate who they are. You know, kids are not stupid. They know the difference. Even if they can't voice it yet, they know the difference between genuine care and somebody who's using them to feel better about themselves. Now, also help your kids learn to set boundaries. So boundaries are not for the other person. You know, a child trying to set a boundary for their parents saying, don't talk to me that way, that's not going to work. But boundaries are not for the other person. Boundaries are for you. Well, help your kids to realize this, to put those boundaries in place for themselves. So the golden child, okay, somebody who's coming, you know, being played more as the golden child, help them to identify their own wants, their own desires. You know, if mom is gaining supply for them because, you know, of their excellence in soccer, but the child isn't really enjoying soccer, then help your child to identify this desire, whether they really want to play or not. Help them to voice it. Help them to voice it to themselves. Let's start there and to voice it to you. And then they got to work on getting ready to voice that to the covert narcissistic parent. If they don't really want to go, let's say maybe they don't want to go to the prom or they don't want to take this high status date that that whichever covert narcissistic parent is just gloating about, help them to identify these things. Help them to own that and then to decide what they really want to do and support them along the way. Help them to identify their own internal boundaries. Things like, I will not participate in something that I don't want to only to please another person, whether that be a parent or even a friend. They need to learn to put those boundaries in place. It is not my job to fulfill my parents' dreams. I will voice my own desires for my personal life. And it is not my place to win my parents' love. These are internal boundaries. What about for the scapegoat? Well, help them to identify what they are truly responsible for and what they are not. Remember the scapegoat, what they are taking is uh, the covert narcissistic parents blame. Help them to identify what is it that you are really truly responsible for. You know, if dad is blaming his bad day on them because they got a bad grade on a test, help the child to not internalize dad's anger. Dad has lots of other things going on throughout his day that have nothing to do with this child and make sure the child understands that. The condition of dad's day is not on that child's shoulders. And then turn the focus of that child back on themselves. Ask how it made them feel to have that grade. It's not about how dad feels. How do you feel? You know, it's not about how dad feels. It's not even about how I feel. It's about how you feel. Okay, do you have some ideas on how to make this better next time? Ask, you know, why do you think you got that grade? Was it because you didn't understand the material, that you got confused or you got rushed, you know, and you ran out of time or you got distracted? Help them to identify it, but put the focus back on them. The internal boundaries that really kind of need to be voiced to a scapegoat child, I'm not responsible for anyone else's feelings and experiences. I'm not responsible for my parents' happiness. It's not my fault that dad or mom is angry. Maybe uh, another boundary would be, I recognize that, you know, mom or dad could choose to be supportive and helpful, 
and that choice is on them, that I am not responsible for their actions, and I will focus on my own feelings and let my feelings guide me as I work to grow and learn. These are healthy boundaries that that child needs to learn, again, within themselves. The boundaries are for them, not for the other person. The last question I'm going to address today is, is it possible for a covert narcissist to raise a child to be a covert narcissist? And sadly, the answer to that is yes, but it is not a guarantee. I'm going to go on with this question. They kind of went a little deeper with this and two, two different people actually wrote this in. One said, I have a daughter, you know, with, with her being the, the covert narcissistic mom and a stepdaughter that she had before me. I came in the picture early in her life, but she has some of the same traits or dot, dot, dot. Am I losing my mind and looking too much into this? And again, I understand all the confusion that this creates and we're going to, I'm going to answer this in just a minute. The other question along the same line says, I believe children of narcissists either become narcissists themselves or they have mental and physical health problems. I've seen both sides of the spectrum with friends who are married or were married to narcissists. How true is this statement in your analysis? So children are trying and failing to live up to the constantly changing expectations of a covert narcissistic parent. This leaves deep internal wounds. Think about the wounds inside of you. Think about all those feelings we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast that are going on inside of you. Well, they're going on inside your child as well. Leaving that child feeling unworthy, ashamed, anxious, unlovable, all of these internal wounds of maybe, you know, maybe I'm not good enough or I'm a failure. I don't matter. There's, there's this internal wounding that's taking place. Now to avoid those internal wounds, we don't like how they feel. We put a protective layer around it. This protective layer are the survival skills that we start to develop in childhood. And this is where codependency and narcissism show up. Okay, the, the, the narcissism, you know, it is a generational curse. It is passed on from one generation to the next. These kids are expected to live in this false world. Okay, they're expected to just pretend like everything's okay, to pretend like everything's perfect and ignore all the feelings that are going on inside of them. They need to uphold the image of this perfect home and, of course, this perfect parent. But this can be broken. Safety is necessary in order for learning and growth to take place. The survival skills that they are building around those internal wounds, okay, those are there. And that's, again, where narcissism will develop if they never learn that they're safe. Children that don't feel safe, even adults that don't feel safe, you can't grow, you can't learn. Think about it at school. If a child doesn't feel safe at school, they can't pay attention to the math lesson that's going on on the chalkboard. Okay, they have to feel safe in order to be able to to focus on the learning and the growth. The same thing is true in your home. The emotional safety for that child is key to breaking this cycle. Well, covert narcissistic parents, we already know, do not offer that safety. So it's up to you. You know, covert narcissistic parents don't leave you safe to express your own feelings and opinions. So it's up to you. Those feelings that are suppressed behind that wall, that wall of, that protective wall of survival skills, It's up to you to help that child to put that down. 
The codependent path, you know, safety is found in keeping everyone else happy. That's what the kids start doing. That's the people pleasers that start to develop. They believe that they are destined to always play the second part to someone else's main role. It's always their job to keep someone else happy. And they often pursue a relationship with someone who believes that it's their job to make them happy. Okay, that's that's the, the codependent path. The narcissistic path, safety is found when we're, you know, being superior and untouchable and never vulnerable and they build this concrete wall around themselves. They believe that they must always defend and protect themselves. I have to hurt others before they hurt me. And again, it's up to you to provide the safety so that they can start to put that wall down. Let those kids find safety in you. Give them permission to say things they could have said better, to do things they could have done better to let their guard down and be vulnerable with you, even if it comes out ugly. In other words, give them the space to be human. I wish you and your kids so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.